Peter, James, Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures. We must as well. Now, when an influential megachurch pastor says, eh, don't worry about 70% of the Bible, I think it's worth some deeper digging. So, I decided to talk to one of the world's foremost experts on the subject. Old Testament and the New Testament fit right together, and you cannot separate them. If you do, you will, in fact, short-circuit the New Testament. Hello and welcome to the Post-COVID Church. What now? The mission, energizing Christians to engage the lost and hurting in your community. Here's your host, Stuart Kellogg, author of The Post-COVID Church. Hello, and thank you for being part of the Post-COVID Church What Now podcast. A lot of time is spent looking at our changing culture, the tougher environment to evangelize, the more aggressive actions taken by not just individuals, but governmental bodies to keep the Christian faith in the pews and away from the marketplace of ideas. Today, we're going to look inside the church at a growing division that threatens to weaken the foundation upon which the church stands, the authority of Scripture. The first thought that might come to mind is the schism in mainline denominations over ordination and marriage of homosexuals. That, of course, is the perfect example of moderns wanting to jettison 2,000 years of biblically-based teachings because, well, they want to. On this podcast... We'll look at why some evangelical leaders say Christians shouldn't bother with the Old Testament and why this view is playing right into the hands of those undermining the church. Andy Stanley is founder and senior pastor for the multi-site, non-denominational megachurch North Point Ministries in suburban Atlanta. In his book, Irresistible, Reclaiming the New that Jesus Unleashed for the World, and in various sermons, he infamously argued that It took the apostles 20 years to unhitch from the Old Testament. You see, he said they were just too hardwired to those ancient texts until they figured out that the only thing that mattered was Jesus resurrected. Forget that other stuff. They had the law of Moses that they'd been raised on, and now they, which is, you know, God's covenant with Israel, and then they had this new covenant that Jesus established, and it was very difficult for them not to mix and match these covenants. A little bit of Moses, a little bit of Jesus. A little bit of Moses, a little bit of Jesus. Now, eventually, as we're going to see, it took them 20 years. This is important. It took them 20 years to finally break that habit, but they eventually broke that habit, and I'm convinced we need to break that habit as well. He writes that relying on the Old Testament undermines the credibility of the Christian faith. Too often we try to defend and incorporate the New Testament into Christian faith, he writes, and simply don't need to do that today. You are not accountable to the Ten Commandments. You're not accountable to the Jewish law. We're done with that. God has done something new. Besides, he would say to them and he would say to you, thou shalt not obey the Ten Commandments because those aren't your commandments. Now, when an influential mega-pastor with a TV show and author of more than 20 books on the faith says, eh, don't worry about 70% of the Bible, I think it's worth some deeper digging. After all, the Old Testament is part of the Bible, and we are talking about our faith. And, well, we have about 2,000 years of the church following both Testaments. So I decided to talk to one of the world's most foremost experts on the subject. Uh, this is, of course, has a bit of a hobby horse for me. Part of it is the result of an, a lack of understanding of the Old Testament. Dr. John Oswalt has taught Old Testament in seminaries for more than half a century. 
He's currently visiting distinguished professor of Old Testament at Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky. He's authored or edited 16 books, including three commentaries on Isaiah and one on Exodus. At 82 years old, he's still teaching and writing. His commentary on Kings will be published soon, and he's working on commentaries on Amos and Ezekiel. Agape and Hesed are the same word, one in Greek and one in Hebrew. This is Dr. Oswalt teaching a two-day retreat in Alabama. He's focusing here on the importance of living a holy life. Choosing the best for another at whatever cost to yourself. That's what Jesus did, what he does, and what he, by his spirit, enables us to do. Not settling for the thin gruel of the unbiblical, hey, I said the prayer, I'm saved, everyone sins anyway, form of Christianity. Dr. Oswalt and I sat down not long before he headed to Japan to teach. We talked about the power of the Spirit to change those who surrender to Christ. He, he takes a deep breath and carefully chooses his words after I asked him about Andy Stanley and those like him who minimize the importance of the Old Testament. Um, the New Testament is the second story of the house, and it's built on the first story and the basement, which is the Old Testament. And the Old Testament makes it very clear that the goal of life is that we have an ongoing relationship with God in which we are being transformed. And <clears throat> that's there in the New Testament as well, you, but it's, it can be missed if you don't know the Old Testament. Or, in the case of Andy Stanley, you teach and preach that the early church leaders didn't get it either right away, but eventually they decided the Old Testament doesn't apply. Peter, James, Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures. And my friends, we must as well. It took him 20 years, but Peter finally figured out that Christianity was not Judaism 2.0. This was not an add-on. It was a stand alone, say goodbye to the past new. That Jesus was not an and. Jesus was an instead of no mixing and matching, no blending, no little bit of Jesus, no little bit of Moses. It was Jesus only. The law of Moses, God's covenant with Israel, was a means to an extraordinary that kind of thinking, Dr. Oswalt says, is unbiblical. Now what has happened is the idea that the Old Testament is law and you save yourself in the Old Testament world by being obedient to the law. But thank God in the New Testament, grace has come and we don't need to be obedient anymore. We can just live knowing we will fail, but knowing that grace is going to cover it. Well, that's a faulty understanding of the Old Testament and a faulty understanding of the New. For Andy Stanley, you see, well, the Old Testament is just too hard for the folks in church to understand, much less defend. Many have lost faith because of something about the Bible or in the Bible, the Old Testament in particular. Once they could no longer accept all the historicity of the Old Testament, once they couldn't go along with all the miracles, once somebody poked a hole in the Genesis creation you know, myth, once all that went away, suddenly their house of cards faith came tumbling down because they were taught it's all true, it's all God's word, and if you find one part that's not true, uh-oh, the whole thing comes tumbling down, not Christianity. Of course, the sacred texts of Christianity include the Old Testament. Now, those challenges to the Old Testament are real, important, 
and defensible. Instead of running away, because we must not make it difficult for those Gentiles who are turning to God. Telling those critics of the faith, never mind those verses, uh, look at these nice ones in the New Testament, Dr. Oswalt says is damaging the faith. It's much, much better and biblical for Christians to get it. And what the Old Testament does is, number one, it gives us the full-orbed picture of who God is, who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is not a little God who lives under our bed to answer our prayers, which is the case for many, quote, New Testament Christians. So if you don't have the Old Testament, you don't understand the God to whom Jesus is reconciling us. Number two, you don't understand what the goal of the Christian life is, and that is to live the life of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Number three, you don't understand in reality the reality and importance of this world. Uh, as, as Isaiah saw it, the whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord. And the Old Testament makes that so very, very clear. It is as we live our lives here, we come to know him. And then the New Testament helps us to expand that view and understand, yes, and this world is a part of a larger reality, which includes the entire cosmos. So that if you don't know the Old Testament, you don't understand what life is about. One of the most frequent and effective attacks from the new atheists is, how can a God of love tell his people to kill men, women, and children? That's a fair question, and a tough one. It's important that instead of ignoring this historical fact, we keep it in context. That context is, his chosen people, the Hebrews, after 400 years of slavery, were going to God's promised land. That land included the Canaanite people. Baal being one of the many gods. It was a culture steeped in polytheism, wanton sexual promiscuity, including homosexuality, heterosexual orgies, incest, and bestiality, plus, of course, idol worship. The Lord's well-founded fear, if the Canaanites were left in place, his people would end up just like them. Again, I think we've got to be careful of giving easy answers. Uh, the Bible doesn't answer all our questions, and, uh, and we need to be careful not to fill in what we don't know. But particularly with the Canaanites, number one, what happens to the Canaanites is, in fact, the end of their choices. Uh, it's quite significant that in Genesis, God says to Abraham, I can't give you this land yet because the sin of the Canaanites is not yet fulfilled. It's going to be 400 years. God's patience, where the, the Canaanite has, and, and the Canaanites are symbolic of, of the world, the Canaanites have chosen to make themselves God and thus to decide how the world will operate according to their own standards. The Hebrews are not attacking Canaan as an act of 
simply unwarranted aggression of ethnic cleansing or whatever else you want to call it. They are God's instruments. And the important point then that is made is you can't take the Canaanite spoil. The Canaanite spoil belongs to God. This is an act of divine retribution. The question of the, the women and children, I think, number one, we have to say this is part of that world, and that world was a world of violence, a world of, um, if you will, total war, so that, that we've got to be careful not to impose our culture, which is a result of the New Testament teaching, upon that culture, which was long before the New Testament. It's particularly the children, I think, that is, that is problematic. But I think what we know, are beginning to learn now, is that genetic influence is shaped by environment. So, children of Canaanites, several hundred, maybe thousand years of disobedience to God, um, are they in fact going to carry that on? God is saving the world. The Hebrew people are the instruments by which God is going to save the world. The Hebrew people are former slaves. They are, the word Hebrew may very well mean low life. <laughs> they are going to be very, very susceptible to the sophisticated, elegant Canaanite culture. If they are not protected from that, the world is going to be lost. And uh, so, again, uh, I, I say, first of all, this is not, well, we're going to wipe out the Canaanites because we need to put the Hebrew people in someplace. It's, it's not that. It's an act of justice. But it's also an act of love for the world. That's not an easy answer, but it's a biblical one. Remember, God's own people followed those ungodly Canaanite practices and suffered the consequences. Is that unreasonable? Very clearly, I believe, in the Old Testament, we have the revelation of God's character. We have the revelation of the character that God wants us to share. And then the hint of how that's going to be possible and it's the New Testament that's going to make it possible. So the Old Testament and the New Testament fit right together, and you cannot separate them. If you do, you will, in fact, short-circuit the New Testament. During our conversation, Dr. Oswalt twice brought up the powerful two-story illustration. The Old Testament is, as I said, the Old Testament is the basement and the first floor of the Christian house. And uh, several years ago, Karen and I were general contractors for a house, which we won't do again. Uh, but I discovered it, you, you can't build the second story first. It won't stay up there. To fully understand the New Testament, we must know the old. 
The enemies of the faith won't shrink back if we pretend the difficult passages aren't there or that they don't mean anything. Unless the post-COVID church knows and can defend the first part of our Bible, the work of disciple-making will be forever crippled. we got to start teaching the Old Testament again. <laughs> we've, we've got to, um, you know, the, the fact is, if you get a Bible story book for your children, it's going to be all Old Testament. <laughs> all those stories, all those stories are Old Testament. And, and so it's not, it's not difficult to teach the Old Testament, but it does mean that you've got to spend time learning it. You've got to spend time uh, discovering what it's saying and how it's saying, and, and that's, that's not easy. Dr. Oswalt says one issue is poorly trained pastors. The other... Members not doing more. Seminaries have got to do a better job of teaching the Bible so that the pastors can indeed be the biblical theologians that they're called to be. Other people can administer the church. Other people can counsel. Other people can mow the lawn or change the light bulbs. But there's nobody else in your congregation that is trained to be an interpreter of the Bible like you, do, do the work of the church so that the pastor can indeed be the pastor teacher that he or she is supposed to be uh, in the context. Uh, and it means then that others in the church need to be learning the Bible, communicating the Bible, living the Bible, uh, and not merely saying, well, it's the preacher's job. It's our job. That means the post-COVID church must be filled with followers of Christ being equipped to defend the authoritative word of God in the entire Bible, no matter what they hear from those outside and inside the church walls. I'm Stuart Kellogg. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear from you. It's simple. Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, Stuart at thepostcovidchurch.org. I think you'll enjoy my book, The Post-COVID Church, an action plan to thrive, not just survive. Available in paperback and ebook at Amazon.com. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Post-COVID Church, What Now? with your host, Stuart Kellogg. For more information, visit thepostcovidchurch.com. And you're invited to join the Post-COVID Church Facebook group. Please share the Post-COVID Church podcast with your friends.